we're on we we're on graham we are on hey are you graham are you a real guy i'm a real guy i thought i'm a real i'm a real guy what dog sports live dog sports live the real guys coming at you uh on a uh tuesday night breaking down the missouri game we're not breaking down the fiu game as exciting as that was uh yeah, depending on when you uh, got that number, uh, it, it covered or it didn't. <laughs> so, uh, no, we had a uh, we had a game on Saturday. Graham, first thoughts? Uh, I mean, I thought it was probably the worst game Georgia's played this year from a fundamental standpoint, and they still won by 37 points. So I think that says a lot about just how talented this team is, but – uh, particularly on the line of scrimmage, there were some things that I feel like Georgia really needs to clean up. Um, you know, I was impressed with the ability of Stetson to just drop back and make plays downfield that weren't off play action. That was sort of the first time we've actually seen that. But uh, all in all, I think you got to be happy about the win. But like another slow start, I don't think you want that to happen going up to Knoxville this week. So. A lot to chew on, really. I thought it was one of the more interesting games just from an analysis standpoint in, in a while. Yeah, that's funny. I was actually more pleased than you are. So, at one point, we're both going to like our offense at the same time. Uh, but <laughs> but here's – I got the some of the stats, seven you know, 7.9 yards per play, which is good, super efficient. Didn't have a whole lot of snaps on offense, but they made the most of them, 50%, over 50% success rate, 432 E. Uh, EPA and a really good explosive rating of 1.549. Um, the, the rushing uh, plays weren't that great. We'll talk about that a little deeper uh, in the show, but uh, the pass game was uh, efficient and uh, got the ball into his playmaker's hands as we keep getting healthier on on uh, offense and the wide receiver core. And uh, it was we scored a lot of points um, on the – Nope, didn't do that right. We're going to do this. We're going to nope. We're going to do this. Nope, we're going to do this. Watch this. Recap two. There we go. There's our defense uh, allowing just a 3.9 yards per play, which is freaking ridiculous. And yeah. Yet another game with a negative EPA, which means our defense, every time they play, is actually contributing uh, two points added. Uh, statistically speaking, and the explosiveness uh, doesn't really matter when you're only, uh, you know, 28% success rate overall. So explosiveness, it's there, but it's, you know, they had a couple plays. That's about it. Uh, some of their good, some of their successful plays were pretty good, but uh, obviously we kept them out of the end zone. Um, and, you know, 3.9 yards per play rushing and passing. Uh, it's, um, it's a good game for the defense, as always. Yeah. No, I mean, the defense. Like, statistically, I thought they, you know, it, it came out well. And, I mean, bad, a bad game by Georgia standards is still a really, really good game. But there were some times where things were, I don't know, just there wasn't the intensity, which is to be understood, noon start against a bad Missouri team. But I felt like there were some things, especially on the back end, uh, that better teams would make Georgia pay for. But this Missouri team's just not good enough to – to really do anything with especially without their starting quarterback but like you know some of the younger guys that came in and played in the secondary uh had some you know some some mental lapses at times 
Um, throwing up some wide. Re- we talked. I just talked about the wide receivers. Look at all these targets and all these. Yeah. All the all the guys we got the ball to. Obviously, when you're playing a lot of garbage time in the second half, some of the guys are getting some more reps. But Ad Mitchell had a great game. Uh, McConkey made the most of his catches. Uh, three out of four targets were caught with a 75% success rate. Burton obviously had a day, and uh, and Bowers was there making the most of his three targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 12.5 yards per attempt and uh, over 1.0 EPA overall and a 66% success rate for those guys. Yeah, so I'm gonna, and I mean, I'm gonna, that, that EPA from Arian Smith on two targets is pretty crazy to look at. Yeah, I look at, and he, we're going to show the Washington play on there, but let's make a mental note here. He's got one one target, one reception, only 11 yards, but that 2.877 EPA. Now, that's a perfect example of how EPA is calculated because uh, it was a third down conversion in the middle of the field, and those are extremely valuable for yeah. offensive efficiency. So, nine. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Burton plays right here, and then we can talk about how good he was. Yeah, man. I, I mean, you know, I thought it was really good to see him. I felt like this was the first time we've seen him really look like 2020 Jermaine Burton all year. That play right there, uh, he probably saved a pick. Um, you know, really good job of coming back and, and playing that and getting away with a little bit of contact. But, like, you put up the graphic before the Florida game of what routes these guys were running – and, you know, McConkey and Bowers and some of these younger receivers like Mitchell, it was four or five routes that they've been running. Burton runs the entire route tree. And having that back in the offense, I think, may have been a little bit why we we actually finally saw some just straight drop back passing from Stetson. Um, because it feels like this, this receiving core is getting right again. And it's a big deal. Great job by him there working back getting open for his quarterback on basically a broken play. Um, you know, also worth putting, saying that that's, that's what Stetson brings to the offense. Like with Daniels in that's, that's probably a sack. If we're just being honest, uh, maybe, maybe he gets rid of the ball quicker, who knows, but you know, Bennett's ability to do things with his legs does help a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, this was the ball to Arian Smith fourth and six pretty, Pretty poor job, actually. We're going to go back and look at what the O-line did on that play, but not great protection. And he was able to go ahead and throw that with a lot of anticipation and lead that to Darian. Like, that's a dime, dude. Like, that's a really, really good throw by him in a pretty meaningful situation. And like you said, I mean, everybody kind of got involved in the act. It was like finally we saw the the skill talent that we've been talking about you know, that we talked about all off season and that we were excited to finally see. Yeah. Here's that Washington play I was talking about coming up and uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of these plays that just it, we're third and 10 at the 40 yard line. I mean, these are, this is where you win the games is between the twenties. It's just an underneath pattern to uh, Washington and he absolutely makes the most of it. And that's why he's so explosive. Literally, this is what defines uh, statistical explosiveness, you know, converting on third downs in the middle of the field. And uh, that, you know, what that's that's it was a great play. It's you know, it's you love having that player for whatever quarterbacks throwing the ball as a go to, and he converted a, a critical third down there. And a critical yeah. maybe a little stretch, but you know, it was a good play, and that's that's kind of how explosiveness works. You know, between the forties is where you go in from 
negative EPA expected plays to positive, and that's where you get into scoring positions and points per opportunity. All of that factors into that. So um, let me pull up the sheet again here. Where are we? Oh, we're going to go to the AD Mitchell plays here. Yeah. And, I mean, Mitchell, I feel like, you know, uh, really is a guy that, you know, there were some guys that got reps because of the injuries in the wide receiving core and didn't make the most of them. And that guy, you know, opportunity knocked on his door and he answered with a smile and he has blown that door wide open. Like he is going to be part of this offense for the next three years, uh, maybe four, you know. So this play is great. Careers. He, I showed that one. He didn't come down to it and then he go right back to it on second and 10, right back. Yeah. To it. And, you know, that tells you that he's got confidence. He, he didn't haul it in, but he got a, he got a first down right under, underneath another route. And it was just a good just good play. And it tells you how uh, how much they trust this kid uh, with the ball. Yeah. And then I think you've got the, the McIntosh, McConkie. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Okay, there it is. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone gets – everyone's getting touches. We're going to see a Kenny McIntosh play. And this is – uh mcconkey underneath getting another first down i mean this is how efficient they were on the offense passing the ball it just seemed like every play was going for you know 9 10 11 12 yards i mean that's just i mean yeah they were 12 and a half yards in attempt or yards to target so yeah yards in attempt on offense um that's really high and that's you know that's jt and stetson combined in those numbers but that play right there that was a bad throw by bennett probably should have been an interception marcus rosemey uh Apparently has some of like the biggest hands that anyone has ever seen on a human being and made good use of them right there. And then this was a play that, you know, great job by, by McIntosh. Ultimately it's a gain and you're happy with it. But I think if that ball is thrown a little bit better, um, I don't know if that was a miscommunication on one side or the other over which shoulder that ball was supposed to be over. But if that ball's thrown in stride, he's taking that all the way for a touchdown. Um, there's, you know, nobody else really out there on the field, but it, it, I mean, you know, it's like we're nitpicking, right. And that's what we do on the show. We do film review and we look at what could have gone better. Ultimately though, you're happy. I mean, like you're, you're very happy if you're hitting, uh, wheel routes to your, your, you know, third string halfback 30 yards down the field, you're having a good day at that point. Right. Yeah. Well, we finally got to see JT back in uh, getting some meaningful reps. And uh, you, you know, he was playing with some second teamers and some third teamers and stuff, but he had some good plays and he definitely looked, I would say, rusty. Um, but uh, it just look at this again. But if we can, before we talk about JT, like how good Stetson was. I mean, and maybe, I mean, you're 68% success rate, dude. Damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty outstanding <laughs> at a 2.1 uh, explosiveness that's just ridiculous it's really really good um i mean and, and you know daniel's explosiveness was pretty good his success rate you yeah. know honestly, that's where he was last year is right at 46 percent um and the epa is bad obviously he had a pick that you know in in the scoring opportunity so that's gonna that's gonna hurt that's gonna be a big time negative plays and just 11 on 11 plays you're in that you have one big negative that's gonna weigh that epa down quite a bit yeah, that's right. seven point that seven point five looks like Danny Cannell numbers to me. Um, <laughs> sorry, you didn't see my tweet earlier. <laughs> so, uh, he was dogging Stetson. I'm like, bro, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see, where are we on the sheet here? Um, 
Are we, okay, you want to look at JT's plays? Are you ready to go into that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. Output palette. Where we need players. Sorry. Hyperdex. By the way, uh, Fletcher Proctor tweeted us and said that we should go ahead and mention the Georgia basketball win because we might not have a chance to mention too many Georgia basketball wins on the show this year. So I'm mentioning the Georgia beat. I FIU said we covered. We, we, we led the show I, with that. I know, I know. But <laughs> All right, here's J- yeah, here's so, JT's first throw. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice in stride throw to McIntosh, but I mean, it's just a it's just a swing pass, right? Um, I, I mean, good. It's a good play to come in and get a guy in rhythm. Uh, this ball, I thought, was nicely thrown to Fitzpatrick. Those two always have had a pretty good chemistry going back to last year, and that's some of that option route stuff that we talk about with the Monken offense, where they both read the same thing in the in the secondary and in the coverage there. And uh, here's the touchdown. He was able to cut Burton. it outside. Yeah, and the touchdown to Burton. You know, I thought this was probably his most impressive play because he checked this at the line of scrimmage and he saw that blitz coming and knew he had a numbers advantage on the outside. But yeah, McConkey. Uh, but you know, I thought like that was that was the quintessential play that I think it's the tease, right? Like that's what you that's what you miss with JT Daniels not in this offense is some of the ability to do things pre-snap and get Georgia into better positions as an offense. Like the flip side, I think, is what you're going to see right here on this play um, where it takes a little while to load up, not as mobile, uh, you know, Stetson maybe ducks that guy and runs or I don't, you know, I don't know. But just like that was a situation where you see JT get hit and you realize like we really haven't seen Stetson get hit in the backfield, you know, or in the pocket like all year, truthfully. Um, this you know, nice, nice pad the stat play. Uh, I thought Dejan Edwards looked really good in his time on the field, but you know, that play is being made by Burton and Washington out there doing dirty work and blocking really well downfield. That's not a, a deep throw by any means. And then this was the, the interception that, yeah. you know, that, it, that was a pretty poor, you know, that was kind of the moment where it was like, all right, well, he's not, you know, he's not JT, the, yeah, this yeah, is a rusty throw. Right he's, he's not timing's not there, and it's behind him. And you know that he hit him, and he bounced it up. It's you know it, that's it's a bad play. Um, and thank goodness we haven't had many of them this year. Right. Yeah. And you know, I like I did see a couple kind of RPO type things that they were doing with JT in the game, and I think he may have a little more aptitude for those types of plays. Um, like it, it seems like we run more RPOs when he's in the game. So that, that is nice. Um, but I mean, I feel like, and that was a good ball there too, actually, like finding that window is tough, but yeah, I, I felt like we saw, uh, some of those flashes of Daniels, but we also saw why Stetson Bennett has been starting, right? Like I felt like it made sense afterwards. Did you feel like it kind of like, put to rest some of the conspiracy theories or how did you feel about it? Um, I, you know, I, I felt it was good to see him. I, 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 you know, there was a rumor going out that he was going to leave. So I was glad to see him on the field. And I think if he's honest, he knows he's rusty. And, uh, and I, I would like, to, like I said, whoever Munkin and, and Kirby want to start, I, 
you know, I kind of trust at this point. You know, uh, Stetson has proved me wrong over and over again, has been extremely efficient. Um, I think that's a testament to not only to not only JT, I mean, excuse me, not only to Stetson, but also to Monken. I mean, he just knows he doesn't care who what number you're wearing, who's on the jersey, what's on the nameplate. He's just going to, you know, put players and in, in opportunities and, and spaces to make plays and Stetson getting the ball there. I mean, and some of these plays you were talking about weren't great throws, but he threw the ball where his guys could make plays and they made them on 66% of the time. So, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's what it means going forward. I mean, at this point, clearly, uh, Stetson, you know, he, this might have been his first game all season where he was healthy. You know, I, I suspect that that injury he left um, early in the season with was was ling- was uh, holding him back in the Clemson game. Uh, but you know, You're talking about JT, yeah, yeah. Sorry, JT, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so let's just you know, we've got three or four games Wait, here to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and then and well, I think if he's healthy, he can compete in practice and. And um, and I'm sure they're going to start a quarterback. But, but dang, man, like Stetson's the man. He's he just has had a great year, and I I, I just want to I just want the quarterback to win. I don't care who they are at this point. I mean, one of the things that I would say is telling, right? Um, like Georgia, when Stetson was in the game, I know the playbook was more open. The game was more in doubt, so the, you know the offense was was doing more things down the field, but. Stetson's average depth of target on Saturday was 15.3 yards. That's that's a lot, man. Those are big chunks. That's a lot of downfield throws. Daniel's average depth of target was 3.5 yards. Um, so, I mean, I, like I've seen some people come in and be like, Daniel's was seven for 11 for 87 yards, like and a touchdown. You know, it's like, I mean, dude, I doesn't mean, mean shit, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, and I want, like, I want Daniel's to play. I think that Daniel's like body of work, we've got more to go off with him. I feel like probably um, there's some tantalizing things. There's more arm strength, yada, yada, yada. But uh, I also think like this offensive line has got to protect better uh, if, if they're going to be able to start him, right? Like you can't put him yeah. in a situation where he's going to have to like scramble out of the pocket and make throws on the run. Cause he's not that guy. Like that's not, yeah. you know, what, I think, I think his game the, is. the past pro has got to change uh, with that. And, you know, it's not just plug and play the quarterbacks. in. like you said, they're going to run a little more RPO with, with JT and more play action with Stetson. So yeah, it's, a, it's not something you can just drop in there. It's not a, a wide receiver or a tight end. It's, you know, that, that's going to do a lot of the same things. It's like, they're, they're different quarterbacks. So uh, before we get in, into some of those other plays, you let's look at the, you know, this is kind of goes to what I was going to say about Monk and, um, uh, let me see. Yeah, uh, you can see that our our running backs didn't have a great game. I mean, Cook and White, you know, both had a touchdown, uh, but both had negative EPA plays and you know sub fifty percent success rate and a low. But again, like look at Bennett, uh, Jackson, and Smith. You know, this is what he's going to do if they, if they're you know we're running inside zone and they're putting eight in the blocks. They're gonna Monken's going to scheme a way to get the ball down the field, whether it's passing or running the ball, you know, either he'll run it between the tackles or, or attack the edges. Yeah. I mean, they kept trying to come back to inside power. It's Monken's favorite play. You know, it's, it's a large percentage of the play share. It's the play that Georgia has run the most this year. And they, it, it, not until garbage time, did they ever bust one. They bust one good inside power run with Savon Clark in the game. And I think they had maybe one decent 
decent chunk run on like first and 15 on the second drive to, to get into second and three. But, uh, but yeah, the outside runs that you're talking about, like that, you know, there was some nice stuff that they did there that was creative. Um, yeah, I mean, Cook had a good start, and you know, it, I just I love watching Cook run. He's he's my, he's my favorite player this year. Uh, yeah, and you know, Zamir didn't get anything going. It was kind of frustrating to watch them just run those inside zones and those inside powers, and you know, but uh, and this is the Cook plays. I've got the white one, the Zamir White coming up, and of course, every everyone's favorite play is still the jumbo package. I mean, that got everybody fired up. I couldn't hear this crowd too well on the on the. Uh, on the, on the broadcast, but I'm sure when they saw the big boys come in there, it got everybody pretty jacked up. Yeah. And it was nice. I mean, I I've got some stuff pulled to talk about O-line and red zone. Um, so we're actually going to look at this play again at some point, but oh. uh, no, it's all good. Um, but you know, I did think it was, it was nice to finally see some wrinkles because Georgia sort of struggled down the red zone at times in the first half on Saturday. And, um, that you know seeing that wildcat that was the first time we've seen that all year i believe yeah i think so um and this is that curious jackson big big run to uh for you know again like i think i think i told you in our text string that you know like almost 50 percent of our yards came on those three or four plays to you know and they weren't to our running backs so, uh, rushing that you know rushing yardage that is yeah no i mean our line yards i, I haven't looked at them yet but i bet they're horrible um just, I mean, like we were not getting push. Um, our running backs were having to do, you know, a lot of dirty work and a lot of improvising off of what was designed. But yeah, let's get into those kind of because I mean, yeah. like for me, that was the biggest concern in this game was the errors in the offensive line. Um, so I've got some stuff pulled here. Uh, this is, you know, first first play of the game for Georgia on offense. McClendon and Washington are going to miscommunicate on who should pick up this end. Uh, up, up at the top of the line of scrimmage. Schaefer is not going to block anyone. Neither does Broderick Jones. Um, Bowers is running a pass route when the tackle and guard next to him are pulling. So basically everyone but Van Pran and Erickson screws this play up. Like, I don't know what's going on here. If it's just whiff, if it's coming out, if, if there was a miscommunication on what the play was, but it's, it's bad all the way across the front there um and then yeah right here you've got six guys in to block his own run uh and you're you're gonna see not a single one gets pushed like that's you know a, a, i think schaefer ends up on the other side of the play here but not because he really blocked anybody or maybe this is a different play i'm not sure um here's here's 22 Okay, cool. Yeah, so, again, six – like, one thing before you play this play, like, everyone was talking about on Twitter during the game, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like, why why is Georgia running into these heavy boxes? And it's like, I get that to an extent, but just because there's six guys at the line of scrimmage doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to run the ball. Uh, this is six guys on six guys right here. And, you know, two more Missouri defenders are going to crash when they see this handoff, but – Watch Broderick Jones here at the bottom. He's going to let this edge guy just come completely across his face. Um, you can't let that happen. You see, I think it's zero for Missouri. He's going to work all the way across that formation past Broderick Jones. I mean, he actually over pursues the play, but it's like 
this is this was what was going on all day is you had guys for Missouri able to move laterally up and down the line of scrimmage anywhere they wanted and nobody was getting the seal blocks. So going on to uh, 26, we've got five O-linemen in, three tight ends, zero push, zero movement up front. Georgia's guys are getting moved around. Missouri's defenders are moving freely across the face of all these offensive linemen. Again, no seal blocks at all. So it's like, okay, yeah, maybe Missouri's in a heavy box there, but you've got eight guys to block them with. You know what I mean? There's one guy out on a route. There's a quarterback and there's a running back. So, I mean, this is designed to run the ball, and they're not able to do it. Um, Here you're going to see everyone but McClendon allows their man to come down the line of scrimmage on that play. So Jones and Schaefer look like if you watch them, Broder Jones, left tackle, Schaefer, left guard. They're going to let their guys work all the way across the tackle box. Van Pran doesn't get a seal. Erickson doesn't create a seal, so his man works into the hole. It's a shit show all the way across the board. It's not like they're not getting blown up in one spot here. This is everyone. This is an epically bad rush defense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and this is a defense that gave up 7.9 yards per carry to Vanderbilt the week before. To Vanderbilt. Um, and then, yeah, this is a touchdown. But like I talked about earlier, you see uh, neither Bowers or Cook picks up this edge coming off the, the top side of the line there, off the right edge of Georgia's line. Like, neither of them blocks that guy. So that's why Bennett has to throw that ball so early. Works out. He makes a great throw. And, you know, it's, it's fine in the end. But, like, you don't want to see that if you're watching film, you want to see that blitz get picked up here. You're going to have a total whiff by uh Broderick Jones at left tackle, like just doesn't, doesn't block anybody. Basically uh, he's got that tight end next one, but you see how you see how that man just like turns, turns him inside and is right there in the hole to meet the back. I mean, that's, that's not good on second and two, you know? And then we're going to see first and goal. Missouri moves Georgia's guys laterally all the way down the line. It's a great angle. You can see what I'm talking about all day. You see how they're just able to play play down the line into into where the holes are. Like, you, you can't let the entire defensive front move from one hash to the other on a on a, you know, a two yard or a one yard situation down on the goal line. Like you've got to be able to push them back or at least seal them if you're not getting pushed. So here um, we've got Van Pran. He's just going to miss his protection here. Uh, Schaefer is supposed to pick up this tight end because, uh, or he's supposed to pick up the end here because the tight end is going out for a route. So that means SVP is supposed to make the, that block in the middle. Uh, Not only does he miss that block in the middle, but the linebacker that he goes to block, you know, he just leaves the the nose there to come up field. But this linebacker, he doesn't get a block on him either. That guy ends up free and ends up chasing down the play downfield and gets in on the tackle. So it's like that's two, you know, basically two mistakes on one play by one player. Um, and then once again right here, you're going to see the interior of the line just gets blown up. Erickson, Van Pran, Schaefer, like those three guys have got to get on the same page because 
this is a small sampling of what we saw on Saturday, but when you go through this game tape, like over and over and over, it's it's those three guys. There's a communication error that's happening there in some way, shape, or form because, like, it's pretty simple. I mean, like, there's not 40 guys out there to pick from. There's, you know, four or five, sometimes maybe six lined up in front of you. Georgia's got to just have the right protections. And that is one of those areas where I think JT Daniels was doing a lot to help Van Pran out pre-snap in, in terms of kind of pointing out protections to him and, you know, helping him know what the man was or switching out of protections to to make things a little easier on some of those guys in the middle. So, I mean, the like Broderick Jones had a rough day, which is okay. That's to be expected. First career start, you know, um, there were some things that, he did well at times, but in the run game, he really struggled. Um, but like Schaefer and Erickson, those are guys that have played a lot of football games for Georgia, right? And Van Pran is still a young guy. Athletically, he's great. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna he's gonna continue to get better, and the mental thing will be something he picks up on as time goes on. But like Schaefer and Erickson have been doing this too long to not be picking up the right guys or to not be communicating with the guy in between them who they know is a young guy and just keeping, keeping each other on the same page and not having Sawyer in there. It did feel like there was a little bit of a lack of leadership, a lack of communication happening in that, in that front five. So I, I mean, Georgia's got to figure that out. Like Tennessee's defensive front is not great. We'll get into that, but like still, Missouri's defensive front is not great either. And those guys push Georgia around all day, like all day long. So it's not, it's not good. You did and find some is, good. You found some yeah. good stuff. <laughs> so this is some good, like this is right here, how you block a zone play. Look at McClendon moving folks downfield. McClendon's your right tackle. Uh, tight end, you know, is going to split out. But McClendon cubs upfield, meets that linebacker from Missouri and pushes him down the field. Like that's what you want to see. Um, and then next place. Yeah, no, you're good. So, I mean, this is better, but like right here, you, you, you finally get Georgia doing some, something good off of a pull, but Van Pran, he needs to be looking inside when he comes into this hole right here. If he turns left and blocks that linebacker, Cook might spring this run, you know, it, yeah. it could go a very long way. And it's also like, you know, where, where do you think the linebackers are going to come from? Do you think they're going to come from the outside or do you think they're going to come from, you know, the, the tackle box? So it's, it's just simple stuff that I'm sure he'll learn as time goes on. He's got time to watch film. And then right here, this is how inside power is supposed to look like Mims and Truss are in on this play. But they do a really good job on the right side here. And then you're going to see these guys pull. You've got Jones at left tackle. He comes through and does a beautiful job cleaning that. And and it's simple. And, I mean, like, you know, that that play that we saw Georgia run uh, for the, the long touchdown against Florida, like, that was a power concept. And, I mean, when I say power, all I'm saying is Georgia is moving offensive linemen from one side to the other side to try and create a numbers advantage in, in the, the run game to, to try and, you know, basically create more blockers than the opposition is going to have defenders to take on. So 
when these guys executed it's great yeah continuing on to your dive uh your dissection of the offense you've got some red zone errors that we we you saw yes um so i mean you showed a little bit of this but like right here jones and schaefer they're gonna get knocked straight off the ball um and, you know, Jones and Schaefer, they're on the left side there, obviously. But, I mean, I do also take issue, like, why are you running on the goal line out of a, a tight bunch formation and asking Marcus Rosemey to go and, and help block against, what is that, like a, a seven-man front? You know, like, I felt like that was poor play calling. Spread Like, if you want to have a bunch formation on the goal line, then spread these guys out. Missouri's clearly in man, you know, take advantage of it. Um, and then here, Mizzou, Mizzou just submarines this. And Fitzpatrick doesn't block the edge down here on the on the bottom. Um, and it's just, you know, again, Georgia hadn't, hadn't run between the tackle against four-man fronts. Why are they trying to do so against a seven-man front down on the goal line? And also, why isn't Bennett checking to an easy pass play against man coverage? Um and then that third and goal, yeah, like Jones lets his guy through. Schaefer and SVP, they're going to let a rusher through a double team. And then everyone is flowing the same way here, but there's no leak out, which is what you would kind of want to have on a play like this when you've got the whole defense moving in one direction. You like to have that, that leak that you can kind of throw back to on the right side of the play. So I thought it was – Kind of a lack of creativity down there in that sequence on the goal line. Credit to Mocken. Next time they came down there, they, you know, basically audible into a wildcat or motion into a wildcat at the line of scrimmage and they ram it in there. But yeah, it just felt like a a really lazy day by the offensive line. And like I so, know they're young. But, but yeah, and what good. would you say that performance would do a similar performance in Knoxville on Saturday? I don't know. I haven't gotten to watch enough Tennessee tape to like, I don't want to speculate on that yet, but um, I mean, Tennessee's defense has been pretty bad, so I don't know that it would make that big of a difference, but um, Georgia, like Georgia's not going to be able to just do a bunch of gadget stuff and like run these end arounds and get on the outside and create, you know, three or four big chunk running plays and get by against like an Alabama, you know what I mean? Like they're going to have to be able to have a legitimate threat running the ball, you know, whether it's off tackle or between the tackles, they're going to have to be able to do something in the run game off the offensive line. You can't just not be able to run the ball or get any push up front. And I, I think the thing that's frustrating is we go back to that Arkansas game. Like I know that Arkansas played a lot of three man fronts, but still, even in man-to-man situations that day, Georgia's O-line was pushing them over and over and over and getting really good movement, and we didn't see that on Saturday. So, All right. Um, switching over to the defense. Yeah. Um, we're going to start off with some uh, containment issues. Yeah, so I thought you could kind of feel the presence of, of Adam Anderson be missed at times. Uh, there, Georgia's going to lose contain. They've lost contain a lot. They really didn't set edges very well on Saturday. Um, you know, that's just a like kind of a an easy collapse down towards the the center there. Um, here, 
sorry, if you'll rewind that, you'll see Ringo isn't in position at the snap. This is his man coming across the formation, and he's kind of just lazily trailing his man across the formation. And then his man gets the football, and he eventually is there to kind of help out on the tackle with Christopher Smith. But it's like, it just felt like, you know, they came out not very ready to play and not really tuned in or dialed in. That's a play where, you know, if he's if he's going full speed, he's there to meet that guy as he's coming around that corner. And it's a, you know, it's a short game or a tackle for a loss. And then just there, I thought, lazy tackling, not coming off blocks very well, not really fighting through some of that stuff. Um, just a lot of, like, arm tackle. You don't see that from this Georgia defense much. And they did step it up after this kind of early section of the first quarter there you've got you know uh another like you should not ever have a giant hole up front when you've got this group of defensive tackles it's a good call to put the draw on by mizzou versus the blitz but i think walker and carter if you look at them those are the two on the bottom side of the line here it's like i think one of them thought they had a stun on and the other one didn't because the way that plays out there was something weird there. Like there, you know, it was like one of them twisted, the other one didn't. Uh, and then Walker wasn't there to fill that hole. And that guy, you know, the, the Mizzou quarterbacks all of a sudden got a huge lane upfield. So just kind of odd little things like that. And then this is just straight up bad tackling. Um, you know, yeah, that, like that's thankfully that's a quarterback. The ex- yeah, thankfully that's the exception rather than the rule. You don't see seen miss many of those, and he was no. <laughs> and then this was a just a this was an assignment bust by Bullard, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe there was somebody on the back end, but him and Dean are both right there. And yeah, the, bo- the bottom of the screen there. Yeah, this slot receiver, and it's like I don't know. I think he gets a little confused, and then he realizes, oh god, that's my guy. Um, the ball's you know, thrown behind him and he gets back in and he probably, honestly, if he hadn't panicked, he may have been able to make like a good play on that ball, but um, he's a young guy. Like that's to be expected. And then right here, just again, an edge setting issue. Trevon Walker flows a little bit too far inside over pursues. He's the defensive end on the bottom side of the screen and he creates that cutback lane. So some of this stuff is a result of wanting to make plays and being aggressive. And I'm sure that, you know, Kirby and the Stevens would tell you if they're going to make mistakes, that's, that's how they want to make mistakes. But there were some things where it was just kind of a little, just Georgia has played with a hundred percent intensity all season long. There were times on Saturday, especially the first like half quarter where it felt like they were more at 85%. I mean, I right. still gave up six points, right? So, like, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the asshole here, if we're being No, honest. no, it's, it's good. Uh, this is, I mean, this, I mean, honestly, this is, you know, everyone's, you know, it's a noon game. We we got out early. We, you know, we whipped their butts on the scoreboard. But it's, this is why we watch the, sh- the, the show. And I, and I include myself in that. It's like, you know, you're giving us more than uh, just the big plays on offense and the scoreboard. You're showing us that we could, we need to <laughs> – where our deficiencies are you know that's the kind kind of stuff that if you're going to be a you know are, are you elite or are you not as one might say yeah there you go man yeah all right man um, so we do go. have some good plays from the defense though yeah. yeah um and so here you're going to see trevon walker this is really really good like 
anticipate anticipates this, knows the screen is coming, and then to be as fleet of foot at 280 pounds as he is to be able to go out there and make that play for a tackle for loss, I thought just impressive athleticism and anticipation from him. Um, and then here you're going to see him. This time he's going to set the edge and he's going to force the run towards his help. You see him get upfield there and work outside. And then he actually shucks off that blocker and gets back in to help out on the tackle. But it's like when I'm talking about setting edges, that's what I'm talking about is getting upfield, getting out wide. You know the strength of this defense is up the middle. You've got these linebackers. You've got Seen. You've got Smith. So force the ball towards those athletes and towards your help, and you're not going to give up explosive plays. Um, here, Just that's just good hard-nosed defense. These guys all work down the line and flat blockers got pushed into the backfield. Kind of just a team defense play right there. Um, good tackling here. That you know the play before uh, Quay kind of come in and missed a tackle on the quarterback when he had a free run right there. Brinney takes advantage of the mistake, and then this play right here I thought was actually the most fun thing that I saw watching this tape. So our boy Christopher Smith, you see him, he's the safety right there. He's standing on the forty yard line, right in between, like kind of just right above that bottom hash, and he motions. If you go back. He's going to motion to 22, Javon Bullard. You're going to see him yell at him and tell him to move up. And Bullard's going to move up because Smith watched his tape and he knew that this formation, they were going to run this swing screen out of. So he wants Bullard working upfield. And then, boom, he comes in and makes the tackle for a one-yard gain. That's, that play was made four days before the game. That's good stuff, dude. Thank you. And then this is going to be Ringo, I, I think, is just special, man, in terms of it's rare to find a shutdown corner who likes to hit, and he likes to hit. He does a nice job fighting off the block, making the tackle. Uh, Kobe Dean continues to show incredible speed sideline to sideline. But um, I love I love Ringo's physicality and run support, man. You don't see that from a true boundary corner very much. And then that's just Jordan Davis doing his thing. It's always fun to watch. Uh, and then this was probably the the best thing of the day, in my opinion, was just Trevon Walker parking that guard into the quarterback's lap. The push that he gets here is pretty unreal. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. And then the last one we've got, a uh, beautiful job by Brinny. Just a clean hit, leads with his shoulder, goes for the midsection, hits him in the pads. You know, there was never a question of was that targeting or anything like that. But clean, but physical hit separates the receiver from the ball. Just perfectly, perfectly played. You know, it was a textbook for the the modern kind of college football rules. You know, uh, if that was like Greg Blue back in the day, that dude gets his head taken off. But now we have targeting, <laughs> and thought he played it really well. Yeah, it's. I mean. We didn't cover. I think we missed by a point. Um, and I think we did leave some points on the field, like, uh, you know, offensively and stuff, certainly with the missed opportunity by JT. But that defense, I mean, they take such pride in, in keeping guys out of the end zone. <clears throat> and that, you know, we saw it in the Florida game on the sidelines when they, you know, how, uh, you know, the leadership there on the sidelines watching the 
the the shutout go away and then this week you know that they were cheering the the defense on to keep them out of the end zone there on the fourth down play so it was it was exciting and it's we were so lucky to have so many talented players uh and it was a blast it was a fun game to watch for me um and uh yeah even even as we're gonna pick the pick it apart it's but that's what we do here at dog sports live no, it was a fun game to watch, and I do think, like, I don't want to discount the the thing that we saw from Stetson, which was, you know, ha- over half of his dropbacks this year have been off play action. On Saturday, only five dropbacks off play action. He has 15 that are no play action, and 78% completion, 15 yards in attempt, and two touchdowns off those straight dropbacks. I think that you know, there's been a question of like, well, are we doing all this play action to protect Stetson? I think seeing this offense with all these receivers healthy, it, it may be more we were doing all this play action to protect a young wide receiver core and not ask them to do too much and try and give them advantages. But now that you've got Burton and Washington and Rosemey and Jackson and all these guys kind of back closer to 100%, it feels like they're able to to really do some more complex things down the field and, and it's working. It was explosive. Yeah. Um, what do you, uh, I mean, I know you haven't gotten in the Tennessee game, but let me ask you, let me ask you this. You're Kirby smart. I'm a press, uh, someone with a press credential and I'm asking you about the quarterback quarterback room. Give me your coach speak answer, but uh, give me, give me the coach speak answer that we really want to hear as, as a Georgia fan and throw you on the spot. Uh- I mean, I think the reality is that JT's not ready yet. Like, he didn't look ready to start. If if you're comparing him to Stetson Bennett, Bennett was, was crisper. Um, I think, you know, you would sit there and say there's things that both guys bring that we like, and that's true. JT brings the pre-snap stuff we were talking about. Um, you know, he brings a little more arm strength to the table, I think. But Stetson brings the mobility, and there's a little bit of, I don't know, there's a little moxie to him, I guess you could say, maybe. You know, there's something about, like, his willingness to to go out and get hit and just kind of that toughness. I do think the team rallies around that sometimes. Not to say JT isn't tough, but just, you know, when your quarterback's making plays with his legs downfield, it adds something to it. Um, <clears throat> I would say, too, you know, it's a week by week situation because I think it is. Um, it would not shock me if Stetson goes up, you know, up to Knoxville, plays well, starts. Georgia has a good game, and JT continues to improve. And we see both against Charleston Southern, and then we see JT start against Georgia Tech. Like, I don't know. Kirby, I think, told the the TV crew on Saturday. At one point, they said that, that he had told them during the week that you know JT Daniels was going to have to help this team win a game at some point down the road and I, I think that's correct uh, I think it would be the ultimate irony to start off a game with Stetson and bring JT in and you know w- win a big playoff game or a conference title that way after you know how Georgia's lost <laughs> some of those games in uh, Smart's tenure but I think it's it's like a a, a pitching situation in in Major League Baseball or a righty-lefty situation in Major League Baseball. I think if there's a team that Georgia's playing where 
they've got really good edge rushers and they're getting a lot of pressure and this offensive line's having a hard time pass protecting, then you want Stetson out there. I think if it's a team that is not bringing much pass rush wise, but they're dropping back into a lot of confusing coverages and Georgia's having a hard time, you know, beating that zone. You want JT in there because he is better, I think, thrown against the zone than Stetson is. So I think it should be situational. I don't know if it is situational, but if they're smart, it'll be situational and they will accept pregame that depending on how the game goes in some of these major games that you'll see in December and January, kind of the game and what George is able to do and not do on offense should dictate who's under center at times. Uh, you know, I think you're right. I think it's, we're going to see a lot. We're going to see a lot of both of them the rest of the year. And uh, we'll be here breaking it down. Graham, thank you, buddy. That was a lot of work. We, uh, you said, we talked oh, about thank it. You. We said, eh, not a lot of, not, not a lot to go on. And we just spent 40 minutes on it. So, uh, and I enjoyed it. It was good. I mean, it was good stuff. So thank you. Uh, yeah. With, can, uh, I know you guys are already following Graham dog out West on Twitter. Um, he's doing his 12 takeaways, which uh, you guys are checking out on YouTube. Um, and we're on dog sports uh, writing stuff. We're about to actually drop a little college football uh, committee rankings thing right now. So please check us out there on dogsports.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share across all our media. Have you Graham, seen the rankings yet? Yeah, I just saw it. Uh, Ohio State's four, Cincinnati five, and then Michigan, and then Oklahoma oh. State at Oklahoma State at eight. Uh, so they've Oklahoma kept their, they, yeah, they kept their thing where if you don't play a game, you're not going to move up. Okay, Oogie uh, State's 10, Oklahoma's eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you were talking about Oogie State. Yeah. I, the one I, th- I think is getting shorted is Baylor. I think don't sleep on Baylor. I think they can, I don't know if they're going to get in the top four or even scare it, but they're going to, they're well, gonna, they lost on Saturday. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Big 12 is, is, is eating their young. I feel like this shit's sitting, setting up for Notre Dame this weekend again. Like no way! Play out. No way! They're not getting in over Cincinnati, dude. They're not getting in. If Cincinnati, there's no way. There's no path for Notre. Oh, no, I guess that's true, actually. Yeah, that's. Uh, but, but but I'm but, not. I'm not convinced Cincinnati is going to go undefeated. The rest. Of I'm the not game. convinced either. I, I, I I'm not convinced at all. So so check out my my takes on dogsports.com in just a little bit. There you go. go. Yeah, no one's still watching at this point, but there it is. I plugged it, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Anything well, else? Josh. Th- uh, no, just thank you for, you know, always helping put this stuff together and, and uh, cutting up those those clips and all that and uh, bringing, bringing all the statistical insight. And Yeah, man, appreciate it. And it's excited fun. to come back and do Tennessee here in a couple of days. All right, with that, we're out. Go dogs. Go dogs.